Welcome to This Week in California Education, produced by EdSource Radio, where we talk about the latest developments in California education. I'm Lewis Friedberg, Executive Director of EdSource, with John Fenstewald, Editor-at-Large at EdSource, which, by the way, is celebrating its 40th anniversary. Welcome, John. Great to be here, Lewis. This week was a big week in California education. The big event was the election in Los Angeles. Two right. seats, runoff seats, were up for grabs in the race. There was a runoff election. Steve Zimmer, the president of the school board, was up, and he was running against Nick Melvoin. Two newcomers were also running, and uh, huge amounts of money was poured into this race. $17 million at the last estimate. The latest estimates might, uh, when the final counts come in, it may be even more than that. And basically, what happened was that the two candidates backed by charter school advocates won. And what that means is that for the first time, there's a very strong pro-charter majority on the school board. And this was a, a big defeat for the United Teachers of Los Angeles. How significant, John, do you think this election was? Well, very significant. It's Los Angeles, of course, is the second largest district in the nation. It has more charter schools than any other district in the nation. And this has sort of been the scene of the big charter war in the, across the country. It's been an embattled uh, issue for years. And so now we have a, a charter-friendly majority at the same time that we have the district in financial straits. And it's really, uh, financially, it's a mess there. And a lot of tension between charter schools and district schools. So, but, but John, the peculiar thing is, is that Los Angeles Unified already has large numbers of charter schools. In fact, more than any other district in the country. And most of the charter school applications have been approved over the years. There's been some pushback in the last couple of years as a result of this so-called Broad Plan, which called for doubling the number of students in charter schools. But this hasn't been like clearly anti-charter versus pro-charter. So what's going on? So there's a lot of tension nonetheless. And if you talk to the charter folks and talk to Nick Melvoin, he'll tell you it's really Nick not- Nick Melvoin was the candidate who wanted to beat uh, Steve Zimmer. That's the, right. The board president. He'll tell you there's a 40,000 student waiting list to get into charters. And it's really a matter of choice. It's giving parents choice to go to schools that they want to, whether magnets or whether charters. And so that's, you know, supposedly what it's about. There's a need for more charters as long as parents are demanding them is what the charter advocates would say. Well, we did talk with Nick Melvoin to get his take on what happened and what to expect. And I asked him, can people expect to see a major expansion of charter schools when he and this new board majority, very strongly pro-charter majority, takes office? I think people can expect to see an amplification of what works in public education and a replication. You know, I was an LAUSD district teacher, uh, obviously supported by charter supporters, but by a lot of district supporters too. And we were very clear in our messaging from the start that this wasn't about a proliferation of new charters, or it wasn't about some artificial number where when we get this charter equilibrium, it was about looking at what works within the district and replicating that. And I don't think districts like LAUSD have actually successfully learn lessons from the charter movement the way that I believe it was initially intended. So, you know, I'll ask charter principals, have, has the district come and ask what, what's working and how to replicate it? And they laugh 
you know, as if, as if that's a crazy question, given the political climate. So I'd like to see an increase in schools that are serving kids, um, but I'm much less interested in whether that's a district or a charter or a magnet school. Uh, you know, I'd like to see us cross-pollinate, um, elevate the work of educators, and have LAUSD, you know, kind of lead the nation in terms of how to navigate this new public school ecosystem. Okay, well, that sounds like a very kind of diplomatic uh, uh, response, <laughs> um, but uh, obviously you ran or your backers ran on uh, the this charter school issue as front and center. Uh, one of the things that was in the background was this the so-called Broad Plan that called for fifty uh, percent expansion of enrollments in charter schools over the next eight years. I mean, is is do you see anything like that happening? in uh, in the district? I'd like to think not. I mean, we have 130,000 kids in charter schools in LA, 40,000 on wait lists, far more than anywhere in the country, uh, including New York, which is a larger school district. And I think that to me has always represented an indictment of the district and not meeting the needs of its own parents. And so the reason I ran for the board instead of running a charter organization was to learn lessons from our charter partners, bring that learning to the district and mitigate that wait list, not by building new seats, but by improving our own schools. That to me is the, the uh, ideal outcome here. And I think the reason you see a lot of the philanthropists investing in charter schools after decades of trying to improve LAUSD through initiatives like LEARN and LAMP uh, partnerships is just because they thought it was a more efficient route to improve outcomes for kids. And I'd actually like to show them and then and show the country that partnership with districts can actually do a lot and we don't have to just we don't have to continue to build new schools we just have to improve the ones we already operate you're saying okay they're not necessarily going to be new charter schools what what was this election then all about i mean obviously there was a huge battle and uh i mean some some people would some people would see that okay was this about a union thing was this something to really challenge the the clout of the teachers unions in the district then, if it wasn't about expansion of charter schools? Well, it was about expansion of best practices. You know, this is a district where only 27% of kids are proficient in math, where only 47% of kids graduate eligible for state universities, where we have a $13.5 billion unfunded pension liability, teacher shortages, five different superintendents in eight or nine years. There was a definite need for change, and I think our victory was kind of a... Um, you know, an indictment of the status quo. But to me, it was never about these, uh, never about the air war between charters. And, you know, we knocked on a lot of doors and talked to a lot of parents and voters, and they were interested in improving outcomes for kids and not about um, how that is done. So, you know, I think despite the contours of the race and the media and with the outside spending, this was about hitting reset and actually getting past some of these adult special interest fights and finally learning lessons from high-performing schools replicating those practices, addressing some of these unfunded liabilities, addressing some of these challenges when it comes to student achievement. That, you know, that's what motivated me to run to kind of improve outcomes for kids and do things differently in a way that I don't think LA has done, but also a lot of other cities have done. And that's why I think there's a lot of opportunity here. One of the concerns that people have had is that if charters do continue to expand, and there's no reason to think that they won't, that this would in fact, exacerbate some of the this, these unfunded liabilities or the, the deficits, given that you'd have more kids leaving the district 
and uh, also because it would exacerbate the declining enrollment issue that uh, the district is facing. Do you, do you share those concerns? That expansion of charter schools could, in fact, exacerbate those issues that you, you're going to have to be dealing with, right, on the board? Yeah, well, two points. One, you know, charter authorizing law is a state law. And the board can only approve or deny charters based on some state criteria. So this idea that now it's going to be a kind of free-for-all with charters is really unfounded. And I actually think that having the support of the charter community can help us mitigate some unchecked growth by having a collaborative working relationship with the district as opposed to the hostile one of the last few years. Two, you know, LAUSD has lost 100,000 students in a decade because of charter growth, but also, like you mentioned, you know, demographic trends and the cost of living, and yet our overhead costs have increased. And so you haven't seen any concomitant reduction in costs when you've lost students. So we need to take an honest look at that and say, if we're losing students, you know, wh- why do we still have all this overhead? And, and I think maybe there's opportunities to partner with charters. But ultimately, if we improve our own district schools, we will mitigate the need for families to feel like they have to leave LAUSD, and that will help stem the tide of, of enrollment loss. There's a lot of opportunities for dual enrollment programs, for magnets, and I'd like to see kind of in-district innovation by working with charters and learning what works again, as opposed to kind of abandoning the school system. Yeah. To what extent are you, are you concerned, are you concerned about the amount of money that went into your campaign and uh, I guess on both sides, but you vastly outspent your opponent uh, as well? I am very concerned. Uh, you know, one, the campaign finance needs to be reformed. Uh, the amount of outside money that's, that we allow to be spent in races um, is absurd. That comes from the Supreme Court. I mean, there's there's nothing we can do really locally until, uh, besides try to push for more public funding of elections and matching funds. Like, you know, one of the things I'd like to do initially is get this city of Los Angeles to help LAUSD move to a matching fund system the way that the city council and mayoral elections operate. Uh, I was conscious to raise a lot of money to our campaign directly because I think actually then you can hold candidates accountable. And really the only antidote to this outside money is inside money so that we could try to control our message to some extent. Um, but it's cra- it's crazy. And, and then and uh, in addition to the amount, I think the other thing that uh, was, was striking about the campaign was the negative tone. Um, uh, I understand your opponent didn't call you, or has he called you yet to to concede? We, we touched base. We touched base this morning, and he was very gracious. So I think that you know the heat of election night and a tough campaign, notwithstanding, and and you know I don't hold anything against him. But yes, I mean one, there's been a lot of spending in these races for years. Obviously, the teachers union were the biggest spenders, and now uh, we have kind of these philanthropists and the charter schools organization. It really is like this nuclear proliferation, no side is going to unilaterally disarm. I think unless we were able to reform the system, you know, I think the first IE that jumped into this race was the union in January, and then it kept proliferating. Uh, and it was a negative campaign. Um, you know, I uh, there's enough indignation and blame to go around. So I just wanted to, before I let you go, just to come back to the charter issue, because I do get a sense that you, uh, did, uh, tell me if I'm, I'm misinterpreting, you're trying to turn down the heat a little bit and uh, you are not coming out of the gate saying, okay, we're going to have any kind of increase in charter schools in the, in the district. But uh, the reality is that that's where most of your, your funding came from, was, was from the, on the charter side of the equation. I think the reason that these philanthropists are supporting charters is because they see it as a more rapid uh, avenue to improve outcomes for students. 
What I am optimistic about is that with this new leadership at LUSD, we can prove that we're able to do that within the district. And so to me, the victory you know, over the next few years will be not charter growth, but across the board improvement. And if we're able to do that in LA in a way that I, you know, very few cities around the country have been able to do, to me, that's what's exciting. And so, yes, I've reached out to the union president. I've reached out to all the bargaining units. I mean, this was not in any way a campaign that was run against the union and four charters. It was run for kids. And I'm excited to prove skeptics wrong over the next few years as we really try to improve outcomes for all kids in all schools. And when is your first meeting? When do you actually get sworn in? July 6th. July 6th. Okay. So you have a few weeks of of, of rest before you well, get into the Well, I don't know about that. The past this prologue, it's going to be, uh, yeah, staffing up and trying to reach out and, um, you know, again, I'd love to sit down with, with folks who didn't vote for us and who are some of our fiercest critics to try to convince them about what we're all about and, and get them on board. And can I just ask you one question uh, that you'll have to deal with, or I don't know if that will be on the table, but some questions have been raised about Michelle King. Every time there's a new majority on the school board, that raises questions about the superintendent. Any sense of how, uh, how, how do you feel how she's been doing? Yeah, I think the superintendent is incredibly capable. She knows this district very well. I think partially because of failures on the board side, she hasn't been given the opportunity to really do some of the work. So I look forward to sitting down with her um, soon and you know coming to an understanding about whose role is what. But you know, like I said, I think earlier we've had we've had five superintendents in the last eight or nine years, and and I'm definitely not coming in looking for change in that regard. But I would like to get some of the things we campaigned on transparency, uh, more local control, learning from charter schools. I'd like to see that on her agenda. Well, John, you heard what Nick Melvoyne had to say, the newly elected board member who's going to take office in July, by the way. Very reluctant to say anything about charter school expansion. What what do you make of that? Well, this is what I think, Lewis, is that there's a lot of tension, a lot of conflicts between charters and the districts in a lot of different ways. Charter folks object to the Office of General Counsel, the way it sort of, they say, persecutes and asks too much in terms of applications. The, the, problems the district's with, general counsel. Is exactly, that what you're saying? It works with the charter Giving schools. Giving charter schools a hard time. That's one of the complaints. And so what I foresee is that there's just going to be less tension, less, fewer problems in having charters get renewed and perhaps having less demands on them when they apply. But I don't necessarily see all of a sudden a big surge in huge numbers of new charters. I just see less conflicts than we've had the past few years. Actually, we talked with Alex Caputo Pearl, the president of the United Teachers of Los Angeles this afternoon to get his take on Nick Melvoin's contention that no, they're not going to do a major push to expand charter schools, but really pushing this more collaborative relationship. This is what he had to say. Well, that would be a surprise to me. Nick Melvoin was funded by billionaires who are behind the unchecked uh, regulation of charter schools in Los Angeles and elsewhere. Over $10 million went in behind uh, him and Kelly Gomez, uh, making it uh, the most expensive school board race in the United States history more than most big city mayor races and more than most United States Senate races. And you don't get that kind of money in public education unless you're talking about billionaires who have funded rapid charter expansion. 
So our concern is that, I mean, for example, in Los Angeles, in less than 10 years, there's been a 287% growth in charter schools. And most of them are corporate charter schools, chain charter schools. And they operate, as you know, in an unregulated context around equity and access for students, around financial transparency, and a bunch of other things. And it ultimately is a, is a privatization agenda of putting public taxpayer money into privately operated charter schools that operate uh, without proper regulations. And Nick Melvoin comes right out of that world, and billionaires have invested a lot of money in him. So that would be very surprising to me if that is not his agenda. Well, what I'm hearing is that the pro-charter candidates, or at least Nick Melvoin, is trying to extend an olive branch, trying to tone down the heat of this very, very heated and bitter campaign. What, what's your take on this? Well, it just shows to me that the mistrust will continue between those forces. And it just also tells me that simply an election, you just can't dictate a, by go cooperate, go work together. It's something that's going to take a long time for charters and traditional schools to get together and work in ways that are mutually beneficial. At the same time, if Nick Melvoin does what he says he's going to do, then perhaps there is a way to tone down some of the pressure and uh, some of the heat? I think there has to be because, again, Los Angeles Unified is facing a huge deficit with a monster liability for retiree health benefits. They really do need to work. Teachers and the school board need to work together to keep that district from going into insolvency if there's a recession in any time in the near future. So they really do have to work together. I talked with Pedro Nogueira this afternoon. Pedro Nogueira is a professor at UCLA. He follows these issues very closely. He moderated a couple of the debates during the campaign. And he points out that the district is facing this big financial deficit and declining enrollments. And in fact, if there is a big increase in charter schools, that will exacerbate those two issues, declining enrollments and shrinking revenues. And so however much this pro-charter majority would like to expand it, they also have to deal with these major issues that the district is uh, facing. So charter expansion will be actually difficult to execute. Those numbers don't lie. And I think it says that, in fact, if, if Nick Melvoin is saying our emphasis initially will be collaboration and certifying those charters that are high performing, there may be some truth to that. Well, John, this is obviously an ongoing issue. Michael Zinstein, who is our reporter in Los Angeles, who's been covering this, he will continue to cover it. This is just actually the beginning of this new chapter in LA Unified's history, long history now on this issue. So stay tuned. It's going to be fascinating. That wraps it up for this week. I'm Lewis Friedberg with John Fensterwald. For more information on this topic and others, please go to our website at edsource.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>